the main question I think is, are you planning to race? And if you're planning to race, then there is some research that says that you you do train the biomechanics specific to your race and that shoes change your biomechanics. You, you, you run differently in a, in a racing shoe than you do in a, a heavier training shoe. Uh, I mean, even just the weight of it changes your, how you train. So you want, you want your training, your fast training, similar to your race pace to be in a similar conditions, specific as, as you can to, to your racing conditions. You know, you do this in training. If you're running a hilly course, you're going to ride, you know, train on the hills. Um, the same with the shoes. Hello everyone, this is Vikas and you are listening to Run With Me Page. This is episode number 106 and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jonathan Beverly, who is a senior running editor at Outside. You might know of him from his career at Podium Runner that later became a part of Outside. When it comes to shoes, and by the way, some of you already know my fetish of running shoes. When it comes to the point of shoes, there is so much of interest and there is so much of debate, always, always, that's on the surface, in magazines, in digital print, etc, etc. And this becomes very, very interesting for almost all of us runners. It also becomes interesting when we talk about injury prevention, at times running faster and many other things. I think there hasn't been a more interesting time than now when we talk more about shoes. We have been seeing carbon plated shoes that have been coming from almost every company. Something that started and actually not that it didn't exist earlier but something that started popularly by Nike a few years ago today has become a rage and almost everybody aspires to or possesses vaporflies, alphaflies and now many, many other carbon-plated shoes. You know that most of these shoes are helpful for sure. But at the same time, are they going to change your performance positively as much as you hoped for? And are all of these shoes good for you? Do they help you with your injuries? Do they help you with many other biomechanical aspects of running or not and should you buy them should you buy all of them if it were to me at least for my interest i would like to buy and try out but i'm not suggesting that i want to discuss with jonathan all about it today and he is possibly one of the most qualified people in the world who talks about shoes and shoes reviews almost in his even sleep You will see in the conversation today that our conversation ranges from minimalistic shoes to carbon-plated shoes to heavy shoes to the shoes that alter your biomechanics and many other things, etc. I think this conversation is going to help you make certain decisions and at times possibly help you make some decisions not to purchase some of these. It was very insightful for me to be able to speak with Jonathan and I think you will gain as much insights, if not more, when you hear of my conversation with Jonathan. Let's not wait more and welcome Jonathan to the show. (music) 
Welcome to Run With It page. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us on a topic that is very close to my heart. Welcome on board. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Like we were discussing off stage, I envy your uh, profession and your interests. Um, we were talking about running shoes, and uh, this is something most of us runners we relate with and. we travel the distance to have access to certain shoes we travel the distance to see a um, lot of the models and shoes that that are coming up and you have access to most of them if not all and uh, and pretty early before they are in the market and i thought how about we leverage your experience and knowledge of uh, running shoes and discuss some of it today yo i look forward to discussing it there's a uh... a lot we know and there's a lot we don't know the the more i find out about the shoes and talk to researchers and physical therapists to find out that there's there's many things we don't know about shoes now sure before we get to shoes how about we we start with your introduction what do you do currently at outside and before that how did you start even um start to get into this field and specifically um starting to understand more about shoes and writing about it let's start from the very start how it all started okay yeah so my introduction to running was uh starting uh high school in the US which is about uh, 13 years old uh i was always a uh unathletic uh sickly uh, i had asthma uh youth uh so sports was not part of my life um but but i i enjoyed it um and then i discovered running and here there was a sport where you don't have to be big you don't have to be strong you only have to be stubborn tenacious <laughs> and and i quickly fell in love uh, with with running um and uh and always wanted to go longer in fact i ran a marathon when i was uh, 16 years old uh, back in in uh, 1980 believe it or not <laughs> it's it doesn't seem that long ago but uh, um So I continued as a recreational runner. Uh, never was was that fast, but I kept kept getting faster actually through uh, through my my 30s. Um and in the 1990s I was living in New York City and running with the New York Runners Club and um began to I'd always enjoyed writing. I'd done some travel writing um and so started to write about running um for for small publications. like a New York Runners Club newsletter or Runners Club of America um but it became became known some and then uh actually my my writing story but people always have one is that a piece that I sent to Runners World that got rejected by a sub editor uh then got published in the Runners Club of America newsletter and Andy Burfoot saw it, our, our mutual friend uh and invited me to come to the Runners World party at Boston that year in 1996 and and pulled me aside and said I don't know what you're doing for a living but you are good at this <laughs> and you should consider consider writing more um and so then he began publishing some of my pieces and and it took off as a so that by 1990 it end of the decade then I I quit my day job which was managing international exchange programs for NYU's uh, business school and uh and started writing freelance full time for a couple years and then was asked to to take over as editor of running times so yeah, i came i came in i came in not, uh not knowing a lot but uh but being passionate about about running and and uh 
we built Running Times as a as a, a strong magazine that eventually got bought by Rodale, who owns Runner's World, and and folded into Run, Runner's World. So that that's how I got into to running and writing. Uh, the the shoe part mainly was that I was editor of the shoe reviews and and then eventually took over the shoe reviews and uh, increasingly became fascinated with the the biology and the, the mechanics of shoes. I mean, what did they actually do? Particularly, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but particularly with minimalism, with, with the questioning of of shoe technology. Um, and then the fall of minimalism, uh, when <laughs> all of this new research which was uh, somewhat debunked, uh, at least there's contradictory evidence on, on all of it. Uh, and, uh, and that's where I ended up uh, spending several years just interviewing all the researchers I could, all the physical therapists, the coaches, the shoe designers, um, and wrote a book called Your Best Stride, which says, yeah, which talks about what what shoes can and cannot do, and and what your how how to optimize your own personal stride. Hmm. Wow. It's uh, it seems like quite it started quite coincidentally, and uh, not not incidentally, but rather. Um, one thing started to connect to other and everything just fell in place over a period of time. And I think you found your niche that was very connected to your passion. And uh, um, and it, it just uh, it got you here over a period of time, it seems like. Today, when we talk about running shoes and we have to look at content, I think um, your content comes right at the top. And, uh, and I thought... We will try to get into your head in some way or another, and uh, and get some some of those gold mines that are available there about shoes. So, you said you interviewed almost everybody, starting from researchers to physical therapists to the designers and everyone else. Now, what was the what is the common theme that you've seen in terms of shoe evolution for for running? We all know that it continues to it plays a great role. Um, in in getting you from point A to point B faster and safer, uh, and also it helps you um, helps you run um, injury free in certain ways, etc. How have you seen it playing a role over a period of time? What are some of the common themes that you think that have evolved? Yeah, it's a big question, uh, but uh, uh, I think well in terms of design it goes in cycles like everything else you know politics go from conservative to liberal and back and forth and, and uh, diets go from, from eating all protein to eating no protein <laughs> same thing with shoes they go from uh, minimal to maximal um, but the i guess the, the the biggest shift i see over the 20 30 years i've been looking at shoes has come most recently and that is, I think we're finally acknowledging that shoes do not have much relation to injury, uh, which is a huge change. Uh, um, from the beginning, running shoes were, you know, from the, yeah, Bill Bowerman, uh, Nike, Cortez, you know, had a, had a midsole with a raised heel that was supposed to prevent Achilles injuries. And then things went from there and people started putting uh, medial post in to keep you from pronating and, 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 and both the design and the marketing was always around the idea that that the shoe is going to going to keep you safe, and you have to find the right shoe for your mechanics, um, and we can prescribe that mechanics. In fact, I think shoes have been seen 
someone as a medical device, you know, and, and you need to go and, and get a prescription that matches you. And then that's, that's your shoe. You're, you know, you're an overpronator who, who likes uh, lots of cushioning and you need, and that's the shoe you should be running in. Um, that has, has been changing. Uh, and, and I think recently it's, it's changed more than, more than ever before the two, the research, the science, um, probably led mostly by, uh, Ben O'Nig, who's a, a Swiss Canadian who uh, started out to prove the connection between uh, pronation injury and found over years of study that uh, there, was, there was very little. Um, so there's very little connection between, it, it's hard to know even, yeah, somebody looks at you and sees that your foot rolls inward, whether that's pathological or not. Uh, that's, that pronation is a natural movement and some people pronate more than others uh, without any difficulty. In fact, they're, they're, they're supposed to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and so Nig, rather than saying here, there is a right way to do it and we have to you know, create devices to keep you there. He uh, came up with the idea that there's a preferred movement path for each, each person. Um, and so the best thing is to find a shoe that, that supports that path. Uh, which, uh, as he proposed based on a couple studies and, and his observation is that it feels good and, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, <laughs> but it, it gets here very quickly that the idea that a shoe should make you feel good. It should make your grind more comfortable. Uh, and, and if it does not, then it's probably not right for you. Uh, and so that, and that's a change. And I think now people are beginning to realize that, that, uh, that a shoe is, uh, is mainly a, a a device to make your runs more comfortable, more enjoyable, uh, you know, that you feel light, you feel peppy, you feel alive in the shoe. That's enough. It, it, it's not going to keep you from injury. Uh, in fact, the, the, the injury comes from uh, poor mechanics and from overtraining, and, and the shoe just gets blamed for that often. So. Right. Yeah, no, you're right that it sums up by, um, by saying choose the shoes that uh, feel good to you and uh, and that's uh, that's extremely important um i remember um, i remember uh, back in the days people will select a pair of shoes like what you said if you're pronating hey you need to look at um, uh, this much cushion you need to look at the midsole density and uh, what all what not etc and and it had been a um, pretty long term business that existed and over a period of time it's all getting um getting busted like what you said now um because we reached the point of um how to select a shoe in one way that is what feels good and i i totally agree i always uh, i always uh, start to first run in them jog in them for a bit and see whether it feels good if it fits good and feels good i will go with it if it doesn't doesn't matter what model is it but more than this and other than this what would you suggest from your experience of uh, of being this close to shoes? Um, what do you suggest how a beginner or someone when they are making a, a shoe selection, because we know that not everybody wants to invest into many pairs of shoes and they want to get it right for the very first time. And I've also seen that if you don't get it right, it becomes a reason for demotivation. A lot of people even leave running, specifically the beginners. They'll be like, oh, I invested this much time and money and energy and it doesn't work for me. At times they feel pain and some, some of it is caused by shoes. So how should people look at selecting shoes? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, and, and there's some hints in what you even in how you phrased the question. I don't really think, first of all, I think shoes get get too much credit. I mean, the, the people who get demotivated probably are, are training improperly as well. But but the shoe is easy yeah. and easy. It's our only piece of equipment. So it's easy to blame the shoe. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I think the, the, the first thing is the fit. The fit is more important than the all the technologies uh, that if it doesn't fit right, I mean, you can run in, in any, any shoe, but if you're wearing a leather uh, dress shoe, you're probably not going to be very comfortable. It, it's, um, it's, it, the fit is not designed for the motion of your foot during running. You're going to rub on the sides. And so, um, so the first, the first part is to get the fit right. And, and often, and I don't know if this is the same as in India, but people originally uh, go for a shoe that's too small uh, because uh, the shoe fit for a, a casual shoe, for a walking shoe, is different from a running shoe. You need more space for the running shoe, for the for the for the dynamic motion. So yeah. you need to get bigger um, and make sure that there's room for your toes and and there's width, adequate width for your toes, and and then holds your foot securely then uh, around the midfoot and the heel, so you're not rubbing blisters. So that that's uh, the primary the, the primary, and then. Uh, this idea of the comfort filter, uh, again, a lot of people think that, the, I think that the word maybe, uh, it wasn't the right choice for Ben Onig, uh, maybe the translation from German <laughs> wasn't quite exactly right, but because comfort for, for English speakers tend to mean uh, ease and, and cushiness, you know, the, the, the feeling of, ah, you know, you sink back into a very soft, comfortable chair. Uh, but but yeah. comfort, as, as Ben Onig explains it, is, uh, is that things, everything uh, falls right and moves right. Um, so as, as you said in your question that uh, you need to, at, at all possible, I know a lot of shopping now is online, so it's very difficult, but uh, to have, to be able to run in the shoe, be able to, to, to put the shoe on, you know, lace it up in the type of sock that you're going to wear and then go for a run. Uh, and ideally at the paces that you're going to run in. Um, and and then the, the, the question is, does it feel right? Uh, you know, when you land, do, do you land where you expect to land, or does it kind of throw you off when you're landing? Do when when your weight comes on the shoe, does it feel, oh, I don't, I don't feel this. I just feel good. You know, I, I don't notice it. You know, I don't notice that it's squishy. I don't notice that it's hard. I just feel like it's right, and my foot is rolling right onto the ball of my foot. And oh, wow, this is just it flexes just as my foot flexes. I roll off. I so, I, I push off just naturally. This is right for me. Everything is falling right, and and that could be uh, a very soft shoe, or could be a very hard shoe. It's it's different based on your mechanics. It's based on different on your experience and your preferences. But the right shoe is right for you. Now, the the trend now, as as everyone knows, if you if you even look at running shoes, is to be to maximal cushioning, very high, very soft. Uh, and I think that this there's a danger here. And, and talking to physical therapists now, um, the, many say the same thing, that uh, you need to be careful that even though we're not talking anymore about pronation stability, you need to have some stability. You need to be able to, when your foot is landing and supporting and pushing off, there needs to be some structure there enough for you. And, and the, the most squishy, uh, maximal shoes are only good for those who are very, very mechanically sound, very stable already. 
because you're putting an unstable platform underneath your your foot. Yeah. Um, which we could easily talk about super shoes now, but we'll go into that yeah. <laughs> later. But, yeah. but even even without the plate, a, a, a tall squishy shoe. So I would advise a beginner to to not look for the the most uh, most cushioned. Um, and and it gets back to the idea that there is still this pervasive myth that cushioning is going to protect you from injury. That you're, it's going to protect your joints. It's going to make it easy on your body. Uh, that's not necessarily so. Most injury is is. Uh, Related to instability rather than lack of cushioning, uh, the, the cushioning tends to protect your 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 foot and the bones. You know, if you have a stress fracture in, in your metatarsal, perhaps you didn't have enough cushioning. If you have a pain in your knee, you probably didn't have enough stability. It, it wasn't a, a stable enough platform, um, and your you, it's not cushioning your joints. It's uh, creating instability for your joints, which creates more muscle activity and and motion outside of uh, of paths that you can control so a, a, a moderate now you want some cushioning because you're you're used to that again and now now we're getting into the minimalist question <laughs> but um but so a, a a moderate shift somewhere in the middle where it's it's stable enough that you feel like you you are in control um but it's cushioned enough that you you don't think you don't have to brace for the landing you you can you land without thinking about it comfortably. Yeah, yeah. No, it. I think. Uh, I think having that balance makes so much sense. And to beginners, at times, it's counterintuitive because they think if it's a really, really cushy shoe, it's going to be good for them. Because uh, when they stand, they feel they hey, like a mattress. If they sink into it, it's it must be nice. But uh, and and I have at times seen actually when. Um, when runners are making, rather beginners are making uh, a decision to make a purchase, I see they, they actually touch the sole and they try to see, they try to fold it and see how soft it is. If it is not soft, it seems like they, they are slightly disappointed that it doesn't seem to be a good shoe for them. And when you say that the, the more the cushion or rather if it's slightly unstable for you as you stand on it, you you need to be a lot more mechanically sound to be able to hold that because that's so true but it's a slightly counterintuitive for for beginners and it only comes with experience and at times uh, when you get injured you learn the hard way when you meet a physical therapist and things like those so i think that's a that's a pretty good start and uh, like what you said i was almost tempted to ask about the super shoe i was tempted to ask about carbon shoe that Hey, they don't feel stable at all. I I feel like I'll fall off day one when I wore. I was I I felt like I was wearing a shoe with a heel, um, like how um, uh, you see at the at different parties that women are wearing heels that that are not necessarily visibly very very comfortable and neither are they. <laughs> so 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 I was I was going to ask, but we'll come to that. But now when people make decision i think this is good from comfort point of view from fitment point of view and from a cushion point of view now there's another discussion that always starts that hey why don't i go uh, absolute minimalist shoe why do i not go for a zero drop shoe as well and i will feel very close to the ground it feels stable and that just may be good for me what do you think about that or how would you suggest on that yeah it's it's a very good question, and uh, I, I saw your video about choosing shoes, and we might disagree here. So just let you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> well, um, first of all, I think that 
that a zero drop in minimal shoe is is sort of the, the way it was intended to be. Uh, but we don't live in that world. Right? You know, if if we grew up barefoot on soft ground all our lives, um, then that's that's we would be fine to run in 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 barefoot or or minimalist shoes with 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 no heel and no cushioning and uh, total flexibility. So, but so if you can run in that, then you should. Um, and even if you're a beginner, uh, in fact, there is there is some evidence that says that beginners uh, benefit from a zero drop shoe if they can handle it. And and, and mainly that has to do with whether you're um, you have the flexibility. Uh, I don't know what you've been wearing most of your life as a as a, in a casual shoe before you began running, um, and if you have the patience to start slowly enough to do it. Uh, so, um, so I think I think that the and here's the the uh, I think the reason that minimalism failed as a movement. I mean, there still are minimalist shoes, and I think there's a little resurgence to that now uh, that people are coming back to it. But it is that it promised that if you put on these shoes and you go running in it. That your your stride is going to change, and you immediately are going to be yeah, this Kenyan uh, and injury free, and and that's a false promise uh, that you need to adapt to them very gradually, um, and only a few people can wear them without without that, uh, and and some people can't wear them ever, and that's okay, uh, depending on your stride. Um, so, uh, heel toe drop. I think you advised it over ten millimeters. Uh, for for a beginner, about eight to eight to ten. Okay, eight to yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a which is a moderate. Again, we're 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 talking the same thing. Yeah, that you want something sort of not not too high, not too too low. It's a good moderate place to start. Um, I guess I would if you can try try lower mm -hmm. to, to go go lower uh, first, um, and and then see if you have problems um, because because lower is going to create a more balanced stride it's going to create more dynamic mm. uh, action of the achilles uh, i have a question do do you typically have you had achilles problems yes yourself yes yes so every time i go for a zero drop shoe or uh, if the heel toe drop is very minimal i see that i'm i start to have uh, pain in my achilles almost all the time right right and and so for you, yeah, you definitely, uh, and that's the the main thing we know about the the drop is that a higher drop will will save your Achilles, a lower drop is easier on your knees and takes puts more stress on your Achilles. So depending on where where your weakness is, you know where where you should go. Uh, yeah, personally, I like like a, a low. I, I like ultras a, a lot and zero drop and uh, like four six millimeter is about the highest. Higher than that, I mean, I can run in it. I, I can run in anything, and I think most people can run in anything. But but it feels to me like a, like I'm uh, up on my heels and you know landing landing harder on my heels and and feeling a little unbalanced over over eight millimeters. So, it it depends on on the person. Um, but the uh, the main thing I think that that with minimal issues for most runners was if you could have them for your casual wear. Is very good for you because it it uh, gives you a chance for your feet to move naturally and your arch to to strengthen and your Achilles to lengthen without the stress of running. Um, and then and then for the occasional run for you know maybe one or two times a week. It, it, again, if you have more than one shoe, that have have one that's that's more minimal and and one that's more 
neutral multiple shoes, which again is one of the few things we know about running shoes and injury. Uh, one of the, the few that's proven is that variety is is the best that you can have. So, uh, and and this again was is the problem with with many of these discussions is, yeah, people think you buy you have find this one shoe. And that's the, the shoe you have to stay in, uh, or that type of shoe. You know, I I'm, I I need a a ten millimeter drop stable shoe, and I'm going to run in that all the time. Well, that's the that's the road to injury. Uh, you should have you should mix it up. And if you can't have multiple shoes, then uh, again try try some barefoot running. Now, very very minimal. You know, find a grassy park. Uh, you know, run across the soccer pitch. And and uh, and do some some barefoot strides is going to improve the strength of your feet and improve your stride. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I was going to um, to have the exact same query that each time I I try to transition to either zero drop or, or less drop shoes, I continue to have these uh, like this pain in my Achilles. And if I did a quality and hard workout. Next day, I think I can't even get up. It it becomes that unbearable. And so what I have started to do, actually, as I speak, I'm wearing one of those shoes, which is, so it's a racing shoe from on, um, but it's a slightly, um, it's almost, uh, I think it has three or four, four millimeter. I'm not very sure. I'm trying to walk in them and see how it feels. And, um, and because I want to get back to it and try and figure out whether it will work for me. So I think... Um, I will let you know in a few weeks how, how that progresses. And if I don't have the pain, I think that will be a good progression to move to a similar shoe. Yeah, that's very smart yeah. and, and, and a good shoe. Right. Now, uh, moving on, after once one has made a decision of uh, the type of shoe one should purchase, they start to train and then very soon they realize that, hey, we need to buy more pair of shoes. And uh, as you rightly suggested, if there is a chance to have variety, then have variety. And this is where a question starts to come. Do I need to have different type of shoes for my slow runs, long runs, for my faster workouts, and for my racing? So my question was going to be, do you think for different purposes of training, there should be a different type of shoe? Does it matter or not as much, for example? <clears throat> Another good question requires some thought. But um, the main question I think is, are you planning to race? And if you're planning to race, then there are, is some research that says that you you do train the biomechanics specific to your race, and the shoes change your biomechanics. You you run differently in a in a racing shoe than you do in a, a heavier training shoe. Uh, I mean, even just the weight of it changes your how you train so you want you want your training your fast training similar to your race pace to be in as similar conditions specific as as you can to to your racing conditions you know you do this in training if you're running a hilly course you're going to ride, you know, train on the hills um, the same with the shoes so as as you have seen in the market there are there are shoes that are marketed for up-tempo training um, and then there are, are racing shoes and then there are uh, normal training shoes, and then there's some shoes that are, are marketed as recovery shoes. Uh, I, I, I am, am leery of that. They tend because they tend to be the the very cushy ones again. Um, and and the people that I talk to say, 
No, when you're beat up and tired, you don't want a cushy or shoe. You want something that's supporting you. <laughs> you don't want something that's rocking you around. That's working muscles that, and joints that that are already tired and beat up. Um, so uh, unless unless you are very comfortable in a in a maximal cushion shoe, I don't think you need a, a specific recovery shoe uh, that you're your normal training shoe. In fact, maybe your more supportive training shoe is what you want on the days when you are tired and, and feeling sore from training. So, but yes, I, I do think that there is a value to a, an up-tempo shoe. Um, and most of them now, and we're going to, we're going to get to super shoes whether we want to or not, but yeah. <laughs> most of the, the up-tempo shoes are what I've been calling semi-super shoes. Um, and which are, the similar foam okay so so should we just attack attack super shoes right now talk about what, what yeah, they yeah, are yeah okay. we are the flow. let's uh, let's go for it yeah so super shoe uh, have become widely known as for their carbon plating that they have a a uh, curved rigid carbon plate that that creates a, you know, a rocker toe and the carbon plate's been given credit for for you know, propulsion and that it propels you along. Uh, again, the, the research doesn't support this. Research says that what's really unique is the super foam. Um, and this is a, a very lightweight, very soft, very high rebound foam, trampoline type foam. When you land on it, it feels like you like you land. As, as, as you just mentioned, it feels like you're landing on a trampoline and then squishing down and then boing, propelling you back off. Um, in fact, it's so soft, so squishy that without the plate, then it blings whatever direction it wants to. Wow. <laughs> and so the plate, the, the, the plate, yeah. And, and this is why the, the, the plate is in there. The plate is in there to keep it. So it, it rolls forward and the propulsion of the rebound pushes you forward, not sideways or backwards or, um, so, um, but the plate also prescribes a certain role in motion, uh, and anybody if you've tried, you can sit, you can tell very quickly that you run the way the shoe wants you to run. It doesn't run the way you want it to run, um, and it's it's a very highly tuned to a certain stride and speed. Um, so, the semi super shoes are ones that have the similar foam, but then uh, have a, a less rigid, less prescriptive plate in them. They 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 have a plate that provide some stability, but will will flex somewhat and, and twist torsion somewhat um, and, and allow you, and, and they tend to be not quite as, as high stack, but but it, it still is somewhat similar. If you're gonna race in a super shoe, then this is a shoe that you can train in without without the, the additional risk. Uh, and, and even somebody as good as uh, Jarrett Ward, US Olympian, uh, says he doesn't do his training. Uh, he, he will do maybe one or two runs to get used to the the uh, max the, the max super shoe. Uh, but he'll train in a in a, a normal shoe or a semi super shoe. Uh, so uh, yes, the, the the long way to answer to the question was: Do you need multiple shoes? No, you don't need it. Uh, and training training will be fine. Um, I did. There used to be a, an idea that you know, train in your heaviest shoes, yeah, you know, and and then when you put on your racing shoes, you'll feel light. Um, again, with the research and, and talking to somebody like, um, I think it was Simon Bartold, that who's a 
podiatrist and shoe designer uh, said, no, you, you do want to have the similar weight to your racing because of the research that says that your, your biomechanics are going to be altered by that. And so you train in heavier shoe and you're running with a different stride somewhat than you will in the light fast shoe. So if you want to go light and fast, you should go get a light and fast shoe. Hmm. Very, very, uh, very insightful and um, very interesting uh, for sure. So now uh, the obvious question comes that seems like a uh, super shoes will make sense uh, and everybody wants to run run fast and uh, at times we we train in semi super shoes and I've, I've also seen here most of us we have many of actually super shoes and we try to even rotate them because every time a carbon shoe comes we we're like okay let's try this out okay after the the vapor flies the alpha flies the pro 2 then uh, we found something from craft then we found something uh, coming from Saucony Asics Meta Sky Edge, everything started to come and 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 now today we are all confused. Brooks has Brooks Elite Three and things like those. Now, how do you make a selection of uh, what what one is? Of course, what feels good. That's uh, that's like a, uh, I think that's the, that's the term should be used uh, um, enough and be um, implemented that it should feel very very good to you when when you. Uh, try on your shoes but other than that how do I make a choice of which one is right and is it also okay for me to to train in many of these for example yeah to make the choice um, if you look on the, the outside online uh, gear page we did uh, we had three of testers myself included um, ran in all of the shoes for a month and then we did one test where we, we ran one kilometer in one shoe came back, changed the shoe, ran one kilometer in the shoe again. <laughs> and, and then we tried to describe how it felt. So uh, if you can't, if you, and no one can go out and buy four pairs of super shoes, you, you, you'd be spending a thousand dollars. So yeah. um, this at least gives you a, an idea of, of how the shoe feels with whether, and they, and they, they vary considerably as you find out, as you said, you know, the, the vapor fly is very different than the Brooks I, Perian Elite and the or the uh, Adidas or the On um, and they're all very very good shoes, but the uh, um, the because of the the rebound of the foam and because of the the curvature of the plate, it has to be tuned to a certain stride um, and and it has to match your stride or else it becomes, uh, as you said, it feels like you're wearing a, a high heeled. Uh, shoe that that is very is not even suited to running i mean like for for me personally the the vaporfly has never has never felt right I, I feel like i'm i'm bouncing along on a soft trampoline um and and it actually slows slows down my cadence and makes me feel uh, un, uncomfortable um, whereas something like the hyperion lead brooks which is it's a firmer material uh still with a high rebound but but much more stable feel and edit it rolls more than bounces uh this this is this feels better so we we, we at least you know if you look at some reviews you can get an idea okay that this is in the category and and there are three or four shoes that that fall in you know there are there are now 12 or more super shoes out there uh, and but 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 probably probably three or four categories of you know of, of similar feel and 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 somewhere in between um, the, the the um, ultra shoe 
I think it's more accessible in the super shoe than other because of that soft foam. Um, it, it, it rolls, it squishes in so you get somewhat of a functional drop. I don't think you would have as much trouble in that as you would in, in more, a minimal shoe. So it's very interesting. It's fascinating how it all comes together and all the different variables in terms of stack heights and, and heel toe drop and the curvature of the plate and the placement of the plate. I mean, it all, you know, whether it's closer to the ground or closer to your foot. So it, it and it all comes together. And, and even the researchers don't know exactly how it works. Um, Roger Cram from Colorado, who did some of the initial vaporfly research, when it said, you know, is it the foam? Is it the plate? He says, well, it's more like uh, two plus two equals five. <laughs> <It's> that, <laughs> it, it works together and you can't have one without the other. It's sort of like, you know, it's like saying when you lift something, is it, is it your muscle, is it your bone? Yeah, yeah, it, it's both. <laughs> it works together. I, I agree. And yeah, we had him on the, on the podcast and uh, he said something similar. He said, it just all works out. At times you don't know how it all works out, but just... It just seems like it just got invented and just all all came together, and and at times there are a few things that may be abstract, but but just just works out. Now it just seems like from the conversation that um, out of these twelve and more uh, different models of carbon shoes, uh, it's very difficult to make a decision. And uh, I I'm I'm of the like as I as I've tried on many of these uh, for the last three weeks. Actually, I've been trying the the New Balance, the Hypercell, the New York Marathon edition, and somehow I just cannot come to terms with it. I find it too soft for me. And uh, I tried this morning also. I went for a fast run. I came back. I was like, I think I'm going to give this away. I, I can't continue with this. <laughs> Whereas the Brooks uh, Hyperion Elite 3, it's just so comfortable. It just is firm. And I feel confident even when I'm going down um, the slope, for example. So I think it's going to be very personal. But do you think there are a couple of shoes that you think will fit almost everybody from a, from a racing perspective or not? No, I don't think so. Not anymore. I think your experience very accurately describes it. And, and I'm, I think you and I are similar in terms of our, our reaction to the shoes. Um, and it's easy then to say this is right. Um, but, but even again, among, among the testers uh, that we have, Corey Smith from from California. He's a, you know he's like a four minute miler, and so he has a, a, a very powerful, uh, support, supportive stride, and he loves the vapor yeah. He loves the New Balance. The, yeah, the the squishy trampoline shoes, and somehow his his stride accommodates that. Um, so it, particularly with where, where racing shoes have gone, I mean, only five years ago a racing shoe was a minimalist shoe. You know, it was a a, a light, firm, flexible shoe that 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 mimicked your your foot uh, and that's this is the change is that the shoes no longer are extension of the foot they're like another uh, ground platform that we're carrying around to land on <laughs> and and each of that's going to be unique and, and distinct now if somebody's buying their first well no i can't say this i, I was going to say i i think you know probably better to err towards the the more stable ones but Perhaps it, it, it's so individual; it, it's hard to say. You know, that perhaps the, you know that they would find, and there are those who find the Hyperion Elite firm and and not propulsive, not bouncy enough. You know, so or the, or the Adidas, uh, the the Pro. But 
So, so no, uh, unfortunately, uh, you, 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 the only way to find out is to, to rent in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully there are stores that would allow you to do that without having to, to purchase <laughs> it and then give it away a few weeks later. <laughs> so. I agree. And, and, and uh, most of us, we try to look at these shoes. We know our sizes. And uh, when someone's traveling from another country where you find these as cheaper shoes, you try to get them from there. But I, I agree with your recommendation. It makes a lot more sense to first try on these uh, uh, shoes and see whether you're comfortable. Like, for example, the, the New Balance shoe, uh, had, I, had I first tried it on in the store and not got it from the US, I would have never bought them, I feel. And, and then uh, very soon, you, you, know, you start not like it as much. I mean, nothing to do with the brand. I love the brand. But um, I think it's so personal and I so agree that, it, you know, one model or brand doesn't fit all. It's just, uh, it's very, very unique to each other. Yeah, which is true of all shoes, not just the super shoes. <clears throat> In fact, um, I talked recently to Laurent Malassou, who's done most of the research that connects running shoes and injury. Uh, and I thought that, you know, trying to say, you know, so what do we know? Again, you know, when I worked in my best stride book, I did come to consensus that everybody agreed that, um, you need to work on your hips and the, the problem with people's stride is not that they're wearing the wrong shoes it's that they've been sitting all the time and so you need to get your your hip flexors loose and your glutes strong everybody knows this now <laughs> but um i thought if i talked to everybody about injury there should be some consensus about what you, you know what, what what feature actually does help and and here i talked to the the researcher from luxembourg who's done the, the most research and he says, to advise somebody, there's so many variables. All I do is ask, what shoes are you running in now? Do you like them? Good. Keep running in them. <laughs> do you not like them? Find something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anecdotally, I, um, I also, when I make a shoe selection, one of the criteria I undertake, and it's so funny, uh, at times people are, laugh at me. I was like, I need shoelaces they don't, that don't open when I'm racing. Because... <laughs> I find it so annoying, regardless of how good a shoe is. If it just uh, if it's if it doesn't stick around and it just opens, it's it's of no use, regardless of how good a shoe you have. Oh, absolutely! I, I ran in a in a race just recently, and it was sponsored by a company, so I wore their the shoe that they provided for it, and it came yeah. untied four times during a ten kilometer <laughs> race. <laughs> it's <was> awful. What <laughs> was? It uh, it indeed is um, nice. It's been it's been insightful. Like I said uh, earlier as well, um, I'm sure you're you're much closer to research and uh, and many other developments in the in the shoe industry for racing than most others. And and so you have a lot of interesting insights as well. Um, any thoughts on where are we headed? What are we expecting to come? And uh, is there anything that we should be starting to save our monies for? Uh, that that will be that will make us a few percent faster or make it make us look better when we are running. Yeah, uh, I don't see any. Uh, I haven't heard any hints of a revolution like the you know like the super shoe uh, coming up. Um, what I do think is that the foams continue to improve um, and that uh, perhaps we will see some foams that that are more versatile and universal that yeah it's a, a combination that that provides you know now we've gone we used to have either 
cushion shoes or responsive shoes. And that has blurred together now with, you know, with the high rebound foam. I think perhaps there'll be foams that also combine cushion responsiveness and stability. Um, and so it's sort of the, the ideal, the, the trifecta of what you want a shoe to do uh, in, in, one, in one foam. That, that's the, 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 biggest, the biggest thing I see is people are really working on, uh, and, and which is really with, you know, it's the interface between us and the ground is this, this midsole foam. Um, the other thing that I see that I, I'm appreciating that people are doing, um, I first saw it in this, the Speedland, a very high-end trail shoe, um, and now the, the Tracksmith shoe is doing the same thing, is um, putting the really good foam right next to your foot. I think that's significant, uh, to, to making the, the sock liner. Typically, you have this very expensive, very high rebound foam. And then on top of that, there's a strobo board, which is how you attach the upper to the, uh, you know, it glues down the upper to the sole. And then on top of that, you have a, a sock liner with a, with a foam and, a, and then a, a fabric cushioning. So when you foot down to there, you, you have a lot of interface. Um, right. If you can get that closer to the, the foam, this, this high foam, then you can accomplish more. You know, it's going to mold to the contours of your foot more and, and be much more comfortable and, and better shoe. But that's a small, it's a small tweak. <laughs> it's not a revolution, but, but I think it's a, it's a significant thing to say uh, it's going to make the shoes more comfortable. Nice. I, I have a wish whether uh, it, it ever comes, comes out true or not. I don't know, but I wish someone made shoe that smart shoe. One of the things I always struggle with, I don't know which pair of shoes I ran how many kilometers in. And uh, there are various ways you make manual entries and things like those. But how I wish it's like smartwatch. It just knows how many kilometers you have run in them. And uh, without any additional intervention or you having to figure out by doing anything else. If that comes together with the super shoes without impacting its... Uh, it's uh, other properties. I think that will just be fantastic. Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, and people have tried it over the years. I think it's been cost prohibitive. Just that not enough people want to spend more for the for this technological insert. But it shouldn't be very expensive now with with the chip technology we have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, this has been fantastic um, speaking all about shoes, and I'm very excited personally when. Uh, Whenever we get to see your garage of uh, of shoes, and <laughs> <laughs> and I will take the liberty of uh, reaching out to you whenever we can meet up and uh, and I can have a look at those pair of shoes. That would be fantastic, and maybe get a run uh, together in as well. That would be a pleasure. I would love to. I'd love to visit you in there in Mumbai. It's one place I've never been. I, I traveled the world when I was working as an international student uh, director, but uh, for some reason, never made it to to India. Oh, no, I think I think we should try to um, try to invite you for a race or something. And it will be fantastic to have you. So I'm going to send you a calendar of what we have and 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 pick up anything you want to. Thank you so much. Uh, have a good day. And uh, this was this was great conversation. Thank you again. That was all for today. Wasn't it cool? I loved it. And I'm going to buy another pair of shoes. I'm wishing for you to buy many more as well and let's speak next week again. Goodbye for now.